his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hey, we're back, and as promised last time, we're going to pick up on two conversations we just recently had. First, we're going to talk crypto, and then we're going to bring Chuck Carlson back on uh, to continue our discussion about the Dow Theory and technical analysis. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gaines. Uh, before we get to it, do me a favor here. And, and I've heard this is podcast gold. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's a possibility. Uh, you'll really be helping us out here. All right, so let's get right to it. We're bringing Bill Uliveri back, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Uh, be sure to check out his website, SenecalCapital.com. Bill, great to have you back on. And we're going to talk crypto wallets, crypto mining, what a swap exchange is, all, all of this stuff here in a second. But I just wanted to first look at a couple headlines today and just get your reaction before we start getting deep into the uh, crypto weed, so to speak. Um, glad to have you on. Uh, how you doing today, Bill? I, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I mean, the day just goes by so fast between the stock market and then the cryptocurrency market. There's hardly a chance for a break. I know. And it, you know what? That's for people who really like this stuff. <laughs> it, it's like all we can ask for, right? Well, you know, we both have day jobs, right? So we can't do this twenty four seven as much as I would love to. Yeah, and in fact, it's it's often I'll I have a tough time letting myself go to sleep because I feel like I have to have my eye on the crypto markets, you know, every night twenty four seven. You know, that's that was that's the one thing before we get into the headlines here. Uh, my one takeaway from crypto that was the big surprise once I got into it is I was so used to you know, talking stocks and that you trade on, you know, during the trading day and there's some night trading, but y you have time away. Crypto, it's 24-7, Monday through Sunday. It's it's 24-7, seven days a week. It doesn't stop. And that that is, that's the one big surprise in all of this uh, was that, you know, you feel like you have to watch the market all the time. Sometimes it's tough to get away. Nights, weekends, holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. Yeah, I knew it was <laughs> a problem at, at, at Easter or Easter morning when I, you know, that was when Doge was having its run. And around Easter, I could, I spent all Easter morning watching Doge. Now, like, right. you know, how degenerate is that? But, hey, right. that's what we do. So uh, I'll, right. I'll take it. Okay, so now I mentioned there's a couple, there's two headlines I wanted to look at first before we delve into our conversation here. Um, one of them, Eric Adams, the next New York City mayor, wants his first three paychecks in the form of cryptocurrency. He says cryptocurrency. He says, pay me Bitcoin. What do you think about that when, when you know, you're hearing more and more of this? I think it's really exciting. I mean, it tells me that there's a slightly younger generation coming into politics. You know, I think one of the frustrations for people in crypto Twitter is the uh, age and the demographic of you know, 70, year old, 70 years old plus, 80 year old plus congressmen and senators writing laws, passing you know, infrastructure bills uh, who have no concept of really what kind of cutting edge technology this is. And so to kind of get a glimpse that perhaps in El Salvador or New York or in Florida, that the mayors and governors kind of understand 
that we are at a technological arms race, you know, with the world. And the United States already has first mover adoption. And we better not lose this to some crazy, um, you know, infrastructure bill or crazy um, uh, legislation and regulatory framework that isn't done well. It'll, it'll put us behind the ball. Well, it's so interesting. Well, it's interesting, um, you know, that the, the new mayor, Eric Adams, he said he wants to make New York City uh, a crypto capital. So uh, the guy is certainly on board. And as you mentioned, that kind of speaks to a little bit of the younger generation. Sure. Well, you know what? New York, uh, I think, is playing uh, catch, <clears throat> catch up. I think they're nervous because Florida is already open and the uh, the mayor of Miami has a new Miami City coin. They've raised between three and six million dollars in a cryptocurrency token uh, to to further this type of technology. Wyoming is set to replace Delaware for companies that are involved in cryptocurrency and banking. And so, you know, we have other states that are kind of on the down low, have one or two years ahead of New York. You know, New York really put a kibosh in many ways with their um, money laundering rules. And the New York attorney general a number of years ago, I think, uh, you know, put some very, very rigid, strict legislation into place. So uh, I, I think they're I think they're playing catch up. I think they're a little bit desperate, but I like it. We're moving in the right direction. Well, you, you also mentioned El Salvador. Uh, their president has come out and said he will use some of his country's Bitcoin profits to build 20 schools. And so the country has been holding Bitcoin while the value of Bitcoin has rised. And it's it's they've made money off of it. And, you know, he mentioned that because of that, they're going to be able to build 20 schools. So it just kind of shows you uh, you can't ever say that about the dollar. Well, we've been holding the dollar. Wow, we, we have a lot more money now because we've been holding the the dollar by itself just in an account. I mean, pretty interesting, right, Bill? It's very interesting. And the truth is he doesn't even have to sell that Bitcoin in order to build the schools. He now has legitimate collateral that he can borrow 40, 50, 60 percent loan to value. And he can keep the hard money asset and he can borrow U.S. dollars to build the schools for him. And if, if he's correct and Michael Saylor is correct and everything about the Bitcoin economy we believe is correct, he'll be holding on to an asset that increases every single year and his debt will be devalued every single year because it's held in U.S. dollars and he's depreciating the building. So I think it's a great way to do it, a great way of doing it. Yeah, that's it's certainly an interesting way of because and I want to get to this here and, and I'll add this actually to our topics is actually you, you mentioned once you have Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency, there's a way that you can take your existing uh, holdings and lend them out and, and make income from them. So we can get into that a little bit later, too. So um, let's turn away from those headlines and just kind of get right into business here. I You know, I we covered a lot of ground and, and you know, ba- started with the basics the last time we talked um, I want to kind of shift to, first of all, I wanted to talk about the difference between crypto wallets, trading platforms. Just because you trade crypto doesn't mean you actually own it. So uh, there's certain platforms that you could trade crypto on. Robinhood comes to mind where you can trade Bitcoin and Doge and Litecoin and Ethereum. But in, in a situation like Robinhood, you actually don't own the crypto. It's actually a marker. There's other platforms like Kraken, eToro, Coinbase. There's there's a bunch of them where you have transactions in crypto, but you can actually get crypto in a wallet and actually own crypto. And I want yeah. you to, you know, Bill, I, I think a lot of people who were just starting out with this, uh, that's the first question that I had when I first got into it is, what's the difference between like a trading platform like Robinhood, where you're just trading on the price, and a platform where you can actually buy and sell crypto and put it in a wallet? Explain that, Bill. Well, I kind of use the analogy where... Uh, Robinhood and other platforms that hold the cryptocurrency for you. It's kind of like a mutual fund. Right? What is a mutual fund except it's a, it's a pooled account of assets. 
So it's a it's a fund like uh, Vanguard or a uh, first you know American funds. It can be any kind of mutual fund structure where they have a regulatory body, a financial services framework. They have a trading arm, and they have one account, and they buy and manage all the assets in one account. And you have an accounting ledger, right? There's some back office people are keeping track of all your purchases, your sales, your dividends, redemptions, the whole thing. And from the top of that come the expenses and regulatory burden, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of the year, you get a statement from the mutual fund company, from Vanguard, right? And it's got millions of people inside one account, in essence. That's the way I look at it, like Robinhood. You're buying and selling cryptocurrency, but Robinhood really holds it on their platform in like one account. And it, your, your, your Robinhood account has your name with the number of tokens you have. But you don't really have ownership. As Andreas Antonopoulos, who was the first mover in this space, would say, if you, not your keys, not your crypto. If you don't hold and own your own cryptographic keys and seed phrase for cryptocurrency, then you don't really have possession of it. Just like when you look at your 401k or your IRA statement, it doesn't matter where it's from. You don't really have those assets in that account. That's just a representation of what you own from Vanguard or from Schwab or whatever. And so we're kind of used to this, hey, I look at my statement, I own 100 shares of General Motor, but you don't really because those shares are lent out so that the clearing firm like Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley can make money. That's called the stock loan department. They've given you a marker that says you own this and they'll have to give it to you eventually. When you actually own your cryptocurrency, when you are the holder of it, you have a device, uh, a ledger, Nano S, or a Trezor device, which looks like a USB stick, and you configure it so that you actually own um, the you own the right, you own the the you have ownership of the actual keys, where where it's out of the system, it's out of the database, and it, you actually took delivery of the certificate, like in the old days. I could contact Fidelity or my local brokerage firm, and I'm looking at one right now, Andy, as we speak. I have uh, a, a, a stock certificate for 100 shares of some worthless gold mining company I bought like in the mid-90s. And I actually have a piece of paper. It's very attractive looking, and this gives me the right to redeem this um, certificate. This proves that I own 100 shares of this now worthless gold mining company. So the difference really is just in, in ownership. One is one account. The other one is that you really have control over the keys and you can do whatever you want with it. And that's in, the way I would, I would phrase it. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people who actually get their uh, crypto exposure through Robinhood, that's why they're clamoring for a, uh, an actual wallet, and, and Robinhood has talked about that. Well, the, the wallet does give you more control, but with great uh, freedom comes great responsibility. And the good thing about the Coinbase platform and Robinhood and other platforms like that is you don't have to worry about securing your your tokens. You don't really have to worry about getting a, some kind of piece of well, malware on your computer or getting hacked or having your laptop stolen or your phone, your cell phone ported to some hacker in who knows where that can get gain control of your of your cryptocurrency. So that's, the, that's kind of like the beauty of, of the Robinhood and the Coinbase platform is that they are the ones that ha have custody. They're the ones who are responsible for managing the security. They're the ones who are responsible for, say, paying, buying an insurance company from Lloyd's of London so that if they get hacked, the insurance company makes those funds good. So, again, with responsibility, with freedom – I'm sorry, with freedom comes great responsibility. So if you lose your keys, you lose your crypto. I mean, there are – millions of, of, of Bitcoin that will never be recovered because the computer was thrown out, the hard drive burned up, someone didn't save their cryptocurrency keys, just like my mom threw away all my baseball cards when I was a kid. Once they're in the garbage and the garbage man comes, they're gone. And once your laptop burns up or it's stolen, if you own possession of those keys, um, they're, they're gone. There's, there's no central party to pick up the phone and call and ask for help. There, it's gone like cash. And, and that's that's the nice thing, as you mentioned, about Robinhood and, and uh, Coinbase. In those situations, it, it's you don't actually have the currency in a wallet, but it's a lot safer as well because it's all on that account 
through that platform. But it's important to talk about wallets. And and if you're just starting off, Bill, uh, and you probably would agree with this, if you're just starting off and you want to get a feel for this, you might be best to, to go on a platform like that where you're not actually dealing with the cryptocurrency itself. But like you said, like a marker, it's no different than going to a roulette table and with and, and you know those where it's a marker you have to give those those chips back when you're done and they give you the cash uh value um so there's a, a a less degree of risk by going to a platform where you can just trade it and and in full disclosure exactly. i often do that now the next level is the crypto wallet and that kind of brings us to mining so you have to really know what a crypto wallet is first before you can even mine. And then we're going to talk about swap exchanges as well. So sure. um, we kind of got through the what the difference between, you know, a marker on, say, Robinhood or, or, or another platform and an actual crypto wallet. Um, but there are platforms, uh, even eToro comes to mind, where you can buy on the platform and then use their app to transfer uh, not not everything on their platform can be transferred, but all the major uh, cryptos, Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin, of course, all of those can actually be put in a wallet uh, or, or, or actually taken out of the platform and put into your individual wallet, and you actually then have cryptocurrency. Explain how that works. And like you said, there is a degree of risk that comes with that. Absolutely. So again, as I said in the beginning, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, or not your keys, not your crypto. So there are wallets that are applications you can either download on a desktop or download on your phone. For example, one would be the Atomic Wallet, the Trust Wallet. Um, there's the um, there's a, you know Ethereum wallets that you can download at the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. And what you do is you create your own self-sovereign uh, safety deposit box. That would be the best way that I could say it. So you download the app, and it usually asks you, do you want, the app will ask you, do you want to create a new wallet, or would you like to recover an old one? So if you're new to this, you say, I want to create a new wallet. When you push that button, there is a series of seed phrases, uh, somewhere between 10, 12, or 24 words that pop up. And you have to record these on a piece of paper and then put it someplace very secure. Those 24 words, those random words, when inserted uh, into the wallet, are used to create a super complicated encrypted key. It's called a public key. And then there's the private key. So a public key is kind of like your home address, right? If you live, uh, you live at 123 Main Street, right? You can take your public address. You can post it anywhere you want. People can send you mail. They can send you packages. Uh, no, it's, it's a way of keeping track of, of incoming inbound, uh, you know, material. Your private key is kind of like the key that goes to your front door. It only lets you inside the house, right? So you keep your private key with you always, but everyone kind of knows your public key. The same thing with a cryptocurrency wallet. You download the app, you use the 24 or the 12 word seed phrase, you create a unique cryptographic identification for yourself, and you use this when you receive cryptocurrency, right? And if you want to send it, you have to provide your private key and it compares the two and make sure that you have the right to be able to send or receive your cryptocurrency. So the wallet is one additional way of, of storing it. But again, if you don't keep track of those 24 words in your seed phrase, if you lose those and your phone crashes, you will never recover the balance of your cryptocurrency. You will never be able to recover control of the cryptocurrency cryptocurrency on your wallet gone it's forever truly, gone forever. forever we hear about this all the time remember it's not in your phone it's not on your phone you're just running an app that keeps track of it and kind of reaches out into the cloud using the internet and says hey blockchain cardano blockchain hey ethereum blockchain i'm going to just download a few pieces of information to see what andy's balance is in ethereum that's all it's really doing so if you lose your phone, if it gets stolen, you drop it in the toilet, it gets stolen, as long as you have that crypto, the, the seed phrase, you can buy a new phone and within a few hours, download the same app, recover your wallet, and begin looking at your balance again uh, with no harm, no foul. So again, it's 
It's all about self-sovereignty. If you want to hold cryptocurrency and have more control, you have to take a little bit more responsibility. How about cold storage? A lot of people talk about putting crypto in cold storage. What is that a safer way if you were going to hold crypto long term? What what you know, we hear that. What what does that mean? We're, I'm going to throw crypto in cold storage. What's that well, mean? Cold storage, I would define it as a, it's a, a specialized device made from a company you know, like Ledger or Trezor, which is you, you plug it into your computer. You go basically through the same seed trays of creating a, a wallet, and then you can transfer your cryptocurrency to this little device. And then when you're all done, you unplug it, and you can put it in your safety deposit box. You can hang it where it as a necklace. So it's not on your phone. It's not on an exchange. It's not um, on a piece of paper. It is one more level that's not connected to the internet. That's one more level of where your cryptocurrency can be stored that, again, provides you more security. If, it's a little bit more like a safety deposit box. If that device, though, was destroyed that you put that on, what happens? Well, I'm out of luck unless I have saved the 12 to 24-word recovery phrase, that seed phrase. That seed phrase is the most important thing that you can possibly have. If you lose that, you lose your key. So I know people, you know, so I do some financial planning for people, some estate planning. And what they've done is they have two um, cold wallet solutions. They have one at their summer house where they spend their winters, you know, their, their snowbird house. And they, but again, they're locked up in a safety deposit box. And then they have one at their, their regular residence. So no matter what happens, if they have a heart attack, they get into a car accident, whatever, their children can contact their estate planning attorney, uh, contact their financial advisor, and they can recover those assets because in the safety deposit box is that cold ledger, you know, that cold wallet solution. In that, in that safety deposit box is the 12 or 20 word, 24 word seed phrase. So again, it just all depends on how much um, uh, security you want to, to take on. You raised a, a really interesting point there. We won't get too much into it now, and, and we'll just save this for another day. But, you know, what happens to your crypto if you die? And I'm telling you, if, if other people don't have the information, they're not getting it. <laughs> they're not going to get it at all. No. If, 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 if you have the information to the wallet and you're the only one who knows it, that crypto is going to die with you. And we could talk about planning and, and how to handle that. But that, that's true, correct? Oh, absolutely. Again, the, the key to this whole thing is finding the perfect balance between security, safety, and accessibility. So for people like you and I, you know, you call yourself the degenerate trader and the degenerate speculator. You know, you're buying and selling in Robinhood. You're buying and selling on Coinbase. Like, it's – I'm not that worried – you know, and I only have a little bit on that platform, right? Just a teeny tiny bit. So if my phone gets stolen or it gets ripped off, honestly, it's, it's, it's not a huge deal breaker for me, right? But for people that have a major portion of their wealth in cryptocurrency, you're much better off having it on a cold wallet solution locked up in a safety deposit box where nobody can, nobody can touch it and have a document somewhere uh, that your, your children or your attorney can hand to a trusted individual, some kind of fiduciary, uh, to release and get into those funds and then, um, you know, get them back into the hands of the children or whoever is in the will. That's that's actually, it's, it's funny, that's a new part of estate planning. And we can get into that another time, but that's certainly interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we, we've talked about the, the difference between, you know, markers and, and crypto wallets, which then takes us to the next level, and that is how to mine crypto and let's we'll, we'll just do a very basic right now on on mining okay. we're going to get into this and uh, you know as we you know as our journey and in, into crypto continues but um you know people know about crypto they know about wallets that next level is going out yourself and and and, and mining crypto so, Bill, explain what mining crypto is. You're not, you're, not, uh, you're not digging for gold here. Well, no, but it's very similar, right? Just like the term wallet really doesn't hold anything. Listen, I, we'll go back to that. But, yes, crypto. so cryptocurrency mining to cryptocurrency is the same thing as, like, panning for gold is to precious metals. So, uh, you know, you and I have one foot in each world, cryptocurrency and then traditional investing. So 
precious metal mining companies like Newmont Mining, Barrick Gold, Pan America Silver, uh, GDX, which is the um, gold mining index, which has gold companies, silver mining companies, they dig deep into the earth. They process millions of tons of earth and rock on a daily basis, and they try to, you know, they crush it, pulverize it, uh, spray it with all sorts of chemicals like mercury and cyanide and all sorts of who knows what in order to pluck out these tiny flakes of precious metal, like, again, gold, silver, maybe even diamonds, right? And that's their reward. They receive a precious metal reward for doing, ama- for doing massive amounts of work, expending massive amounts of energy using really expensive equipment. And the more dirt they unearth, the more difficult it is to find the next deposit of gold. So 50, 60, 100 years ago, mining for gold was the stuff was practically laying on top of the surf on, on the ground. Now they have to go deeper, 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 and it's getting harder and harder to find. Cryptocurrency miners perform almost the exact same thing. So they, do, they, use, uh, they perform massive amounts of computational work. They submit it to the Bitcoin network or the Ethereum network in order to secure cryptographically that ledger that makes Bitcoin so amazing. They secure that um, Ethereum ledger. Now, this type of mining is for proof of work tokens. Again, like Bitcoin, my, um, Bitcoin Ethereum, Beam, Ethereum Classic, uh, Zcash, all these tokens are proof of work. So you have all these people expending tremendous amounts of energy using specialized equipment uh, and electrical energy to perform, again, these cryptographic functions. And when a block gets solved, new tokens are released into the economy of that particular network, and that's received as a reward to the miners. And when you're saying solving, uh, real quick here, when you're saying solving, these are algorithms, correct? Kind of just explain that real quick. When you're what what is what are they actually solving? Well, so in order to secure the network and prevent fraud, um, it's kind of like this massive Sudoku puzzle. Rather than being you know three rows across and three down, or six across and nine down, uh, Bitcoin uses something called SHA. 256 uh, encryption, which is secure hashing algorithm, and it's basically 256 characters long. So you could take the entire Affordable Health Care Act, the entire IRS code, the entire infrastructure bill, all the contents of the Library of Congress, and you could condense it into a very small string of information using SHA-256 encryption. So it's a way of taking all this information and locking it up in a very secure fashion so that it's protected from hacking. It's protected from people manipulating the information inside there. Because remember, Bitcoin is, t- is taking transaction after transaction, millions and billions of dollars of exchanging between two people uh, for about 10 minutes, right? Like just 10 minutes of transactions. Then the Bitcoin block stops and all this uh, cryptographic Mm, protection and security is done using SHA-256 uh, in algorithm. And once the correct mm, code is solved for all the transactions, then you say that the block has been solved. The block has been secure. We have all the transactions properly uh, wrapped up in a chronological order over the last 10 minutes, and all the miners agree that this is what happened in the last 10 minutes. And then that block is put on top of another block and put on top of another block. And all this equals the block, the chain of blocks of transactions on the Bitcoin network. That takes energy. That takes computational energy in order so that it can't be counterfeited or manipulated or duplicated. Um, And so that's what I mean by the algorithm of Bitcoin. Well, you know, we'll get into swap exchanges and and, and a lot of other stuff uh, the next time we get together. Uh, I, sure. I think we we just covered a ton of ground, and, and uh, it's great information. So, again, thanks to Bill Uliveri. Bill, uh, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Your website, SenecalCapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E, capital.com. Uh, any parting words uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, uh, Bill? Parting words? Well, honestly, if anybody who wants to text the word blockchain to 22828, 
the word blockchain, the 22828, that can receive uh, our free newsletter. And we're also on Spotify, you know, uh, trying to post some content. But really, just start slow. Um, get on Twitter because the entire Twitter, the entire cryptocurrency conversation happens in Twitter. Uh, and there's probably about a dozen books that people should read. And maybe we can do an episode on that, Andy. Yeah. What I, are the top 10 books or top eight books you have to read before, um, you know, the end of 2021? That would be, I think, a good conversation. Yes, exactly. Uh, books that you must read if you're getting into this. Um, and again, I mean, some other things that came up today, how to secure crypto long term if you die. Uh, or when you die, we're all going to die. Yep. Uh, also, uh, you know, swap exchanges and how to get some of these more alt altcoins. You often have to get them through swap exchanges. So we can talk about that all in the future. One last time, though, what, what, tell us tell us about the, what to text to get more information, Bill. Well, I started, uh, I created a newsletter about two months ago. It's called the Blockchain Advisor, and again, I'm. It's just because I. My day job is a registered investment advisor, and I do blockchain, right? That's like my my passion. And so I put the two words together. Uh, you know, most people uh, – at the time that I did actually came up with the name, it was very, very hard to find an investment advisor that could talk about blockchain and Bitcoin. So I thought it was a, kind of cool. But it's the blockchain advisor. Text the word blockchain to 22828. That's 22828, and it gets you started. Uh, it's it's a way of receiving and getting in our email list. Uh, we then be sure to do that. That's that's ad additional information that you can get direct from our guest Bill here. Well, hey Bill, it's really really good to have you on. Uh, great great start to uh, the podcast. I'm glad you were here uh, with me at the very beginning, and uh, I'll be in your ear again real soon, and uh, we'll uh, continue our. Uh, crypto journey and we'll uh, have a great weekend and we'll we'll talk uh, very soon looking forward to it andy i love i love chatting with you thank you so much for having me on again all right i'll see you bill hang tight with us we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back talking doubt theory and technical analysis so you want to definitely join us right when we get back on the other side of the break his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hiya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, as promised, we're bringing in Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, author of the book Winning with the Dow's Losers. Hey, great to have you back. Happy Friday, uh, Chuck. Oh, thank you, Andy. It's it's great to be back. And, uh, yeah, happy happy Friday, happy weekend, and pretty happy market. Well, uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say, uh, a, a really, really solid week for the markets. Uh, before we get into Dow theory, as promised, and technical analysis, just for a real, I just wanted to get your take uh, with uh, markets at these uh, record highs here, and, and just uh, how you think, how you see things uh, shaping up on Wall Street, real quick. Well, it, it, it's always difficult to get uh, in front of or, or, or believe that 
the market's momentum uh, when it's this strong is just going to stop on a dime. We've seen extremely solid breadth across most indices, whether it's large cap indices such as the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial Average, small cap indices such as the Russell 2000. You've got the S&P uh, 400 mid cap. You've got uh, the Dow Jones Transportation Average. Uh, you look across virtually all the, the domestic major market indices, and they've all gone to new highs here this week. And uh, again, that doesn't mean that they're going to continue to go to new highs next week and the week after and the week after, but uh, it does indicate that there's a momentum is good. The breadth is good. Uh, it's against a backdrop of pretty favorable corporate earnings in the third quarter. Uh, it's against a backdrop of some pretty nice data points uh, coming out on Friday here in terms of the employment report. It's against a backdrop of Pfizer looking like they, they have a uh, the real deal and kind of an antiviral for COVID, uh, which which may continue uh, helping us kind of win that battle. Oh, a bit. Uh, you're, you're referring to the uh, pill, the COVID pill Correct. that just came out that seems to be a game changer. Right. So, there, you know, it so there's a you know, there's a lot of lot lot to like and a lot of good news and, and hence the momentum. Now, you know, the contrarian in me always says, though, too, boy, when things are so great, they can't get any better. And is that is that represent the peak? And that that's obviously a risk here is that, you know, it, it it's so good right now. <laughs> How can it get better? Well, and that's but a I concern still- of mine, too. You know, you talk about contrarian. I'm a bit of a contrarian when others zig, we zag. Um, it's funny you mentioned that I can't find somebody who doesn't like the market right now. And that scares the heck out of me. Yeah. And and that's, it's, that's, that's a legitimate, um, concern. I think that potentially can manifest itself more in a short-term pullback in the market than in a longer-term pullback is where you kind of get these, this is these bursts of exuberance. You see, you've seen it in some individual stocks that have gone up. 40 or 50 percent in the last two, three, four weeks. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen enough of those to think, okay, you, you might get a pretty good short-term pullback in the market. But as, as uh, I mentioned on, on the last time we, we talked, that you know the, the one good thing about that is that the primary trend of this market, uh, the longer-term trend of the market based on this tool called the Dow Theory that we discussed, is bullish. So, you know, what that does is it, it says, listen, you can have short-term corrections in the market, and those corrections can be even pretty severe and pretty violent. But as an investor, you can feel pretty confident that, boy, if you get those, take advantage of them because it's those are occurring within an ongoing bull market. And la- I mean, last time we talked, uh, we got the all-clear sign from the Dow Theory. Now, before we get into the Dow Theory, real quick, be sure to subscribe Follow and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Do me that solid. Let's get the word out here. We want to expand the people who are joining us for this journey of gains and, and making money and, and looking at potential opportunities to do so. So, again, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. Okay, so shifting over to the Dow Theory, uh, we recently talked in our, our, our first episode about how the Dow Theory is bullish. So I'm going to have you pick up from there, Chuck. Explain why the Dow Theory is bullish at this time. Right, and, and just a real brief recap, the Dow Theory looks at two, two indices. It looks at the movement of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and the Dow Jones transportation average. And from the movement of those two indices discerns whether the primary trend, i.e. the trend that typically lasts six to eight months to significantly longer, is bullish or bearish. Uh, the fundamental basis under the Dow theory is that, the, in, in, you know, in, not to be flippant, but it's basically the Dow Jones industrials make stuff and service stuff, and then the Dow Jones transports ship stuff. So economies that are in sync or economies that have – the shippers in in sync with the makers and the service providers. And uh, the Dow Theory says as long as those indices are in sync and moving higher and moving to a series of new highs, that is bullish for the market. And that's exactly what we have had here uh, in in the last several trading days and and since the the transports confirmed and went above their their previous all-time high. So, you know, we've got Confer- what's called confirmation by both the industrials and the transports 
in terms of moving to a series of, of new highs. Now, what, will, what would it take for the market to kind of short circuit? In other words, what would it take for the primary trend to shift from bullish to bearish? This is where we ended last time. So this, right. this is where we're picking up. So we got the all clear sign for the Dow theory. And now Chuck's going to share with us the number of things that have to happen now uh, for this thing to go south. So, yeah, explain everything that now has to happen for the Dow theory to be like, hey, things things aren't looking good here. Okay, yeah. so one of the first things that will have to happen is that you will get a meaningful, and I'll define meaningful here in a moment, uh, corrections in both of the Dow Jones transportation average and the Dow Jones, Dow Jones industrial average. Uh, in other words, at some point here after after this mark, those two indices continue to rally, you will have a correction, and it needs to be meaningful. And, and meaningful typically is a pullback anywhere from 3 to 5% from the peak, uh, representing usually about one-third to two-thirds of the previous advance since the last secondary, secondary correction low. So, uh, you know, the, the 3% to 5% works out pretty well as a general rule of thumb. So you need those, uh, both of those indices to have pullbacks, They'll establish low points on those pullbacks. Then both of the averages need to have significant retests of the previous high that was, that was achieved during that bull market run. If both of the averages then go through to new highs, then you've just simply reconfirmed that bullish trend. If, on the other hand, one or both of them do not go to new highs and then come back down and go below those lows established on those significant corrections – then you have a bear market. So, you know, Dow Theory has always been one of those things, Andy. It's easier to show you rather than tell you. But basically, what you're, what, you know, what you're looking at is, you know, you're going to get two pull, you're going to get pullbacks here eventually, in the transports and the industrials. Those pullbacks typically will retrace at least one third of the previous advance, and typically last anywhere from three weeks to three months. Are, is that where yeah. you're getting the levels? Oh, you know, we're hitting these all-time highs. How far does it have well, to retrace re before? Yeah, go ahead. Let's say today turned out to be the the high, okay? So, you know, in the Dow, the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed today at 36,327, which I believe is a new all-time high. So, you know, you would need a, a, a some some pullback would have to have be in the magnitude, I would say, of, you know, at, at least 1,000 to 1,500 points at a minimum to be considered kind of a significant enough pullback under the Dow theory. I mean, and, and typically that type of correction would, would probably last, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, two to three weeks to as much as maybe two months it would take for it to kind of correct. That would be meaningful. If, in fact, you, you know, if on Monday the market went down 500 points, well, that's, that's not meaningful. That's not enough. Um, you need something – both in, in duration, time duration, typically, again, these are going to be two to three weeks at a minimum, um, and, and typically last, you know, coming off that peak anywhere from 3 to 5%. So if we saw a market, say, in the next three weeks, the Dow pulls back 2,000 points, yep. is those low levels, uh, now you're going to watch them, correct? That, yes, yeah. those, those, low, those levels, especially then if the market bounced off of that, and started to, to, to make its way back to, to retest the previous high, those would become, quote, significant levels that you would be watching. And if, in fact, after the markets had their retests, if the retest, and I use that term retest, that means basically going back up and, and seeing if it could make new highs, and if the retests fail, and then the market would come back down and penetrate and close below those previous lows, that's the, that's a bear market signal. Does the new highs, if, if you went ahead and, you know, you had that pullback and then you went up and you said the retest, if you uh, make new highs, does that wipe out the bottom? Yes. It does. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And you, you've, you've basically cleared the market. You've on a, you know, and that's why right now, since, you know, that's, that's basically what has happened here. We've had a series of new highs in both of the indices. So it is, in effect, eliminating the previous lows that were established on previous corrections. So that's that's why we're kind of in a, you know, a new – the slate is clean, so to speak. And now, now we're waiting to see how high 
the indices go before we get those corrections. Those corrections then we'll have to evaluate within the context of whether they are or aren't significant. And again, that significance generally plays out that they're lasting anywhere from two to three weeks at a minimum, and they're correcting anywhere from three to five percent off the peak. And then we'll see how the retests go, and then we'll see how uh, if those lows would hold. And and you know the the key thing here, Andy, you know somebody listening is going, geez, there's a lot of rigmarole that's got to go through for a primary for the market trend to change from bullish to bearish. And that's exactly right. And I think that's one of the strengths of the, of the Dow theory is that you know it really requires when it makes a signal change. It, you know, it's it's you're not going to get whipsawed back and forth, back and forth on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. It requires a series of confirmations, a series of events to happen that take time. And that's what makes this so valuable is because of all the steps that have to be uh, that take place for you to get the general trend you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, the worst thing from an investment standpoint is, you know, if you have a, a system or a process and it's like. You know, your your head's on a swivel because it's up. Oh, man, went bullish today. Oh, wait a minute. Went uh, now we're bearish tomorrow. Oh, wait, who, you know, and and then then you get into this kind of insane trading game, and and you're basically chasing your tail. Yeah, the the Dow theory is not designed to either get you out at the absolute top of markets, and it's not designed to get you in at the absolute bottom of the markets. Uh, and and some people use that as a criticism of it. Well. And, and and that's all well and good, but boy, if I can capture, you know, the big 80% to 90% of market moves, and if I can avoid the big 80% or 90% of the declines, uh, you know, I'm going to be money ahead over over a long period of time. Oh, the, of of course, all know. these these tactics are like that. That's why dollar cost averaging is you're not buying the t- you never or trying to sell the top and buy the bottom is fruitless. Nobody can do that. But by right. doing these tactics that you sp- you know, the Dow theory and dollar cost averaging, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and, and again, you know, I, I like to equate, you know, day trading or successful trading with like, you know, going to Las Vegas. I mean, how many people go to Las Vegas for the first time and they win and you think, boy, this is pretty easy. Um, but to do it over and over again, to have success at it over and over again is, 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 is a loser's game, quite frankly. Um, same with 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 trying to pick tops and bottoms. You might get lucky, um, and and you know get out at the absolute top. You know, good for you. But but in order to make that process work, you're going to have to get in at the bottom, and you're going to have to do that several times over the life of investing, many many times. And trust me, you're going to screw it up a few times. And typically, when you screw it up, it's going to undo all the good stuff you had on that one or two times when you actually got it right. Here. You know, I'd like tools that give you a perspective. And as an investor, that's all you can really ask for is a perspective. People tend to use tools, I think, with using them thinking they have this, like, surgical, surgical, um, you know, energy that can just go in and, and, you know, laser focus. And that typically doesn't work like that. You know, you, you use tools to give you a perspective, to give you some idea about probability. And, again, probability is all we can really ask for in investing. You know, the biggest probability, quite frankly, Andy, is if you go back to 1926, markets go up three out of every four years on average. So any time you're making a bet that says, I think the market is going to go down, you might be right, but you're really playing against a, a long-term uptrend and a lot of probabilities that the market's going to head higher. And it's the same with trading and, and trying to pick tops and bombs. You might get you might get it right a time or two, but you're not going to get it right 22 times in a row. And, uh, you know, the Dow theory gives you that perspective and then helps assign a probability to whether the market primary trend is going to be higher or lower, and hopefully the market kind of follows that. But it's not perfect. Hence, the trend is your friend. Now, one uh, thing we talked about you know, the Dow theory keep blowing through the top levels. Uh, I just want to get back to it real quick. You don't take out those top levels. It goes back down and tests that level that, you know, we said the market, you know, put in a high, say it then gets two, three weeks later, drops like 1,500 points, then pulls off that level, goes back to retest the high that you had put in, but didn't break out and goes back down, is it then turn negative 
if it blows out those lows that were established before? Yeah, it does. It, it okay. turns negative. And, and one thing that's important to understand, you know, the Dow theory is based on market closes. It's always closed when you're factoring these levels with the Dow theory, that is right. not it's intraday whether, highs or that kind of thing. Right. Whether it goes to new highs, it's got to be closes at new highs. If it goes to new lows, it's got to be closes at new lows. And and one of the, the things, too, that can be an, an indication of a potential change in trend is this idea of divergence between the two indices. In other words, let's say, you know, we, we established lows on a correction and now we're, we're doing those retests. Um, it, it is not unusual that you might have one indice close in a new high that is not confirmed by a new high in the other indice. That, that is referred to as divergence within the Dow theory, and that can be a precursor to a more difficult market. Or if you have divergence on the bottom. So now you're in a, let's say you're in a bear market and you're trying to figure out whether it's going to be a bull market. Oftentimes you will see some divergence at the bottom where one average closes through and goes to a new low where the other average does not follow suit. And then you can see both of those averages then start to rebound. So that, that divergence you're speaking of is the difference between the Dow industrials and the Dow transports. That's what you're talking about. That's correct. And again, the, the notion of divergence really goes back to the fundamental basis of the Dow theory that says, listen, you know, an economy that's in sync, the shippers are in sync with the manufacturers slash service providers, the transports and the industrials. Now, economies that are a bit out of sync, you know, why are the, manuf why are the manufacturers and, and servicers, for example, continuing to move higher, but the shippers aren't? Well, that can potentially be kind of signs that there's some dislocations in the economy. Those dislocations will ultimately manifest themselves in, in, in problems, corporate, you know, maybe slowdown in the economy, which is a slowdown in corporate profits, which are a primary driver of stock prices, and you can start to see, you know, the stock market hit south. So, you know, divergence is an issue that, that comes up quite a bit, and uh, it, it is one that investors should should watch, especially – in an environment where you are, uh, you know, you're in a bull market, but you've had some some significant lows established, and you're looking to see now if the market can kind of reconfirm by moving to new highs in both the industrials and transports. And if you get divergence at the top, uh, that can potentially be a red flag for the market and and uh, and potentially a, a change in this in the primary trend from bullish to bearish. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of ground there, and. Um Really, really good stuff, and I think we've established the base of the Dow theory. Now, uh, before we um, we'll, we'll end it for this time around and, and, and get into this again very soon, and we're going to continue our journey with the Dow theory, technical analysis with Chuck. Uh, but before I let you go, Chuck, we're, we're all kind of learning about this. What's your advice for people who want to know more about this? I mean, you wrote a book, Winning with the Dow's Losers. You're a Dow Theory expert. Uh, give us a couple resources that we can go to and, and, and study up on and, uh, you know, to learn more about this. Yeah, this is going to sound self-serving, but we do publish uh, our, our affiliated publishing arm, Horizon Publishing. We publish a weekly newsletter called Dow Theory Forecast, which discusses stock markets, uh, individual stocks, and also each week has a commentary based around what's happening with the Dow Theory. It's an excellent resource. Uh, we have a, a, a really uh, inexpensive 10-week trial that somebody can do for 10 weeks for $10, or eight, well, I'm sorry, eight weeks for $10, and you can also taste it for free uh, at, at the website. So if you're interested in that, go to the website, www.dowtheory.com. Uh, and as you mentioned, we talk a fair amount of the, about the Dow in my book, Winning with the Dow's Losers, which is available. And then kind of the, the Bible of the Dow Theory is a book called The Dow Theory uh, by uh, William Ray, I believe. It is a hard-to-find book, but it's a, it's a book that does a real nice job in laying out exactly what, what the Dow Theory is and, and how, how an investor might use that. Well, let's go back to the newsletter really quick because this is this is important. I think that everybody should maybe check this out. Uh, how do we find it again, and 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 how, how do we how do we get this information in our hands? Yeah, you go to go to the website. Go to our website. It's it's www.dowtheory, all one word, dowtheory.com. And at the website, 
you can uh, sign up for a free 30-day trial to the newsletter, and it truly is free. And uh, you can get the weekly publication and see if it's uh, your cup of tea. But more importantly, you'll see regular commentary on the Dow Theory as well as uh, general stock recommendations. And, uh, you know, Andy, I, I'm not even sure if you're aware of this. It's, it may be the oldest continuous published investment newsletter in the United States. The Dow Theory forecast has been published since 1946. So, uh, you know, we we <laughs> we've been around for wow. a while. Wow. So, so they were they were publishing this long before you even got to Horizon Investment. That's right. I've actually been here uh, at Horizon Investment and the affiliated publishing company Horizon Publishing since 1982. So, I'm I'm going into my 40th year next year. Uh, and but I, you know, it, this thing had already been around 46 years before I got here. Did, 30, did you have a mentor? 36 years before I got here. Did you have a mentor who 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 guided you, or how, how did you just? I mean, obviously, this is your firm's thing. Did somebody? Did you have a mentor that that kind of gave you the sage-like knowledge? <laughs> well, yes, I, I, I suppose. I mean, I did have somebody who hired me who's who's been long gone and. I learned about the, the, the Dow Theory. But, you know, it, it, you bring up a good point, though. I mean, when I started here and started working, I mean, I didn't – my mind wasn't filled with all sorts of things about the Dow Theory or anything. It was, just, you know, it was, a, it was a first gig, right? But one of the things I liked about the Dow Theory over time is that, you know, I saw firsthand it intuitively made sense to me and had a, a certain logic to it that was simple and understandable. And then, best of all, I mean, it's not perfect, but the things work pretty darn well in the 40 years that I've been here. So, you know, I, you, you become a kind of a, a believer or a follower in something when you when you see it effective. And this has been a very effective tool, um, again, for giving investors perspective on the on the broad market action, which is typically the action that matters most, particularly to long-term investors. All right, so be sure to tap into these resources that Chuck just mentioned, he gave us a little homework. Uh, we're going to have to read up a little bit more before our next conversation. So, hey, thanks again, Chuck. Uh, that's Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. Chuck's out of Hammond. He's also also author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Uh, any uh, As we wrap up the week, and I really appreciate you spending so much time with us, Chuck, any... Uh, parting uh, words before we head out uh, for the weekend? Uh, only that, uh, you know, next. Th this was certainly an aggressive week for the market. It'll be curious to see what kind of follow-through we get. It's always nice to see follow-throughs. But people keep in mind, you know, we are entering what is typically a pretty seasonally strong period for the market. So, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you think you're going to be aggressively making bets about this against this market, just kind of keep that in mind. This is a pretty good time of year for stocks in general, and we have a fair amount of momentum rolling into the end of the year. And I think there's probably a good chance because the folks that are listening uh, to Gaines podcast, they want the big gains, and uh, the Dow Theory is giving us the all-clear sign. So uh, there's got to be people out there just chomping at the bit, uh, probably even put some lists together. So uh, we'll talk again real soon. Get more info on the Dow Theory and technical analysis. And I'm gonna next time I have you on too, we're gonna get a couple uh, stocks that you think we can get some gains from as well. So hey, have a great weekend. And hey, thanks again, Chuck. I really appreciate it, man. Anytime, Andy. Right. Thank you. All right, I, that's gonna wrap up the week. Thanks for joining us uh, for the Gains Podcast with Andy Gersher. Subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. Thanks again for listening to Gains with Andy Gersher. Have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hiya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.